Well, good morning, guys. Uh, as he said, uh, my name is David Oppel, and like he said, I work here at Get Well with the youth and the worship team. And also, like he said, he stole my whole intro. Uh, also, like he said, my wife is working here now, and she just started this past month, month or so, and with her starting this new job, we had to figure out all of those, you know, terrible W-5s and 1090-whatevers, and Thankfully, I have some competent men in my life who are able to help me get all that sorted out. But that stuff is confusing to me. And one of the most confusing parts uh, that I got lost on somewhere along the way was the part about dependents, where you have to put down how many dependents you have. Somewhere in high school, somebody told me to write two, just to always write two. I, don't, I didn't know what that meant. I don't know, am I a dependent? Is my wife a dependent? You know, how many should I put? Well, as it was explained to me, uh, it really is what it sounds like. A dependent is anyone else who depends on this paycheck for their livelihood. And so our topic today is about prayer, specifically praying for ourselves. But I want us to think about praying for ourselves as being dependent on God, leaning on him. And I'm still learning how this works. You know, I come to you today as a young man with not a ton of wisdom or life experience. But unfortunately, the reality is often the older we get, the harder it becomes to rely on God. The more accomplishments we get, the more successes we see, the more knowledge we gain, the easier it becomes to rely on those things instead of his strength. And so because of this, uh, you should look at me as somewhat of an expert <laughs> when it comes to being a dependent. Uh, my dad has, rightfully so, claimed me as a dependent for most of my life. And I'm just entering this season of independence where I'm learning, you know, I have to, uh, wait, legally I have to pay an insurance bill every month just to drive my car or change the tags every year. And, you know, I'm having to learn to be independent. But for most of my life, I've really heavily relied on my parents. And uh, I've seen this trend as I've become more dependent that it gets harder. It gets harder to rely on God. In 2018, uh, God really forcefully moved me from where I was going and brought me to Memphis. And uh, I almost, almost felt like it was against my will. I had no plans of coming here, but he, it was his plan, and so I came. And during that season, I experienced a lot of real need. Uh, there were times where, you know, I was, I was needing for food. I was needing for shelter, for transportation. And it was just amazing to see what God did in those times and how he provided. Like, for real. There was a time where I had no more food left. And me and my roommate in our dorm, we just sat in our two little plastic chairs and we prayed that God would provide some food. And I'm telling you, minutes later, we got a knock on our door. Someone with a whole tray of ribs, these delicious ribs, right? There was a wedding at the school and they had a bunch of leftover ribs. And so we're sitting in our dorm just snacking away in our two little plastic chairs on wedding food. Right? Like we had just prayed, and this wasn't McDonald's or cookout. This was wedding food. And it was good. It was. There was a time where uh, I was praying for a car. 
I didn't have a car, and I was praying for it. And unexpectedly, someone just gave me their car, just for free. And I had no idea it was coming. It was their everyday driver. It's the car I drove here in today, actually. That's cool to think about. This has been a long-lasting blessing. But to watch God provide for that need was really cool. There was a time where I was praying for a new place to stay because I could not afford where I was. And this couple from church, they decided that they wanted to open up their home to me and make me a part of the family. And so they gave me a bedroom, and I moved in with them, and I really did become part of their family. I, I lived there in total for like two years, and it was just crazy. God provides and provides. And this is my favorite one. Uh, I had racked up a big school bill, about $3,000, that I had no way of paying, and it was coming time to pay. And I, we, me and my family, we relied on the Lord, and we prayed. And somebody just walked into church. This stranger that I had never met, he didn't know me, and he just handed me a check for the exact amount. And he said, God told him to give it to me. You know? It, it was just, it was amazing to see that in my need and in my dependence, God provided. But about a year and a half ago, I finished up school, I got my first big boy job. You know, I started getting a regular paycheck and a reliable paycheck. I got married. I got a place of my own. And I stopped having these big needs. And so I stopped praying big prayers, and I stopped seeing God do big things. And if I'm being honest, I experienced a lot of doubt. Doubt crept in. God, where are you? I don't see you like I used to. Are you still there? And the temptation becomes in those seasons of doubt, to turn to our own strength and to rely on our own might. So what am I saying? That we should sell all of our earthly possessions, give all the proceeds to the poor so we can see God do amazing things in our life? No, I'm not saying that. I would never say that. Jesus might be saying that, though. Jesus has been known to say that to people every once in a while. So if that's what your takeaway is from this, then so be it. You've got to work that out with the Lord yourself. But I hope our takeaway is that if we want to see God do amazing things in our life, we need to learn to be dependent on him. Like We need to. It's essential. And how do we do that? We do that by praying for ourselves. It's really easy to pray for other people's situations, what other people are going through, because we oftentimes have no control of what they're going through. We have no control over their mess, so we easily lift it up to God and give it to him. But when it comes to our mess, we think, I got this. I can take care of this. And I'm learning that we have a lot less control over our own situations than we think we do. As men, we're MacGyvers, all right? We're fixers, we're builders, we're protectors, we're providers. But let us not forget that the reason we have these attributes and these qualities is so that we can model for the rest of the world the ultimate fixer, the ultimate provider, the ultimate protector, the ultimate builder. Too often we cut him out of the equation. 
We end up taking matters into our own hands. Let us be men that rely on him, specifically through prayer. And when we pray this prayer, Lord, I want to rely on your strength, not my own. I want to follow your plans, not my own plans. Sometimes, oftentimes, his response back to us seems very backwards to what our intuition would tell us to do. And this should be expected. He tells us, your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. But I want us to be prepared for it. And so on your sheet, I've got space for you. Here are three unexpected answers that you might get when praying a prayer of dependence on the Lord. The first one, the first unexpected answer that we might get when praying a prayer of dependence is we might get told to wait. And sometimes waiting can feel like the last thing we should do. When the pressure is on and the walls are closing in, man, we want to move. We want to do something. But God's timing is never good timing. It's always perfect timing. Always. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to 1 Samuel 13 uh, in verse 7. Where we're picking up in the story, uh, the nation of Israel is going to war with the Philistines. And uh, things are looking pretty bleak. And so we pick up halfway through verse 7. 1 Samuel 13, verse 7. Meanwhile, Saul, the king of Israel at the time, stayed at Gilgal. And his men were trembling with fear. Saul waited there seven days for Samuel, as Samuel had instructed him earlier, but Samuel did not come. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away, so he demanded, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offering. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offering himself. Now, he knew he wasn't supposed to do that. Just as Saul was finished with the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. Saul went out to meet and welcome him, but Samuel said, what is this that you have done? And Saul replied, I saw my men scattering from me, and, and you didn't arrive when you said you would. And the Philistines are at Michmash ready for battle, so I said the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal, and I haven't even asked for the Lord's help yet. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. How foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You have not kept the commandment the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end. For the Lord has sought a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people. Because you have not kept the Lord's command. Mm. Saul felt the pressure. His men were in trouble. His enemies were closing in. So he made a gut call. Right? He was trying to do what he thought was right. He was trying to do what he thought God would have wanted. But he knew. He knew he wasn't the person that was supposed to do the sacrifice. He knew he was supposed to wait for, for Samuel to come. But if he was here right now before us, I'm sure he'd say something like, but you don't understand. I mean, the, the circumstances. You didn't see what was going on. I had to do something. I couldn't just wait. 
In fact, that, that is what he said. That's what he said to Samuel. You don't understand. How easy is it for us to make the same excuse? When the walls are coming in and the pressure's on, being told to wait can be one of the hardest things that God ever asks us to do. Being told to wait. But just like uh, Mr. Tim's testimony that he shared a couple weeks ago when God was preparing that job, man, sometimes what God has for us and what he's preparing for us on the other side of the waiting is not ready yet. And sometimes, vice versa, sometimes we're not ready for what he has for us yet. But I love what Jonathan always says. In the meantime, in the waiting, go do the last thing he told you to do until he tells you to do the next thing. Isn't that great? The second thing. The second thing he may tell you when praying a prayer of dependence is to step out of your comfort zone. Man, the Bible is filled with smart, competent, capable men told to do the silliest thing sometimes. <laughs> Honestly. But they do it, and then they're amazed at the awesome, amazing things God does through it. Think about this example. So God, you're telling me that we're going to conquer this city of Jericho right, by walking around it singing. Oh, no, I, I, don't, I don't do that. I, that's a girl thing. I, I think I'm just going to stand here with my hands in my pockets. What about this example? Uh, think about Gideon, right? God, you're telling me that we're going to wipe out this whole Midianite army by taking 300 guys blowing some horns and breaking some pots in the middle of the night. We're going to be an annoying alarm clock, and that's going to wipe out this whole army. God's like, yeah, go do what I told you to do. And they do it, and man, God moves in mighty ways. But sometimes he asks us to step out of our comfort zone. Okay, it may be in Marvin's comfort zone to tell the squash lady about Jesus at the grocery store. <laughs> it is definitely not in my comfort zone to tell the squash lady about Jesus at the grocery store. But if, if I feel as I'm talking to the Lord and praying that that's what I'm called to do and I don't do it, man, I'm going to miss out on a huge blessing, right? Sometimes God calls us to step out of our comfort zone. The last thing I have for you here, uh, when praying a prayer of dependence, sometimes he wants to use our weakness. Think about that time in the Bible. Do you remember this? Where God went to this guy and he said, man, you're a big, strong young man. You look like you played linebacker in high school. I need you to go kill that Goliath guy for me. No, I don't remember that at all. He used the smallest guy there to kill what might possibly have been the biggest dude on the planet at the time. He was using his weakness. Or what about this time? Do you remember this? Where God came to this guy and he said, I know you're a great public speaker. We all know. But 
no pressure. I need you to go talk to Pharaoh for me. <laughs> I need you to tell me he's about to lose his entire workforce. As you guys probably know, Moses was considered by most historians to have a stutter. You know, if not that, we know he wasn't a good public speaker. He had stage fright. God used him in his weakness. Now, I've definitely seen that in my life. Um, somewhere along the way growing up, I just assumed that I was going to join the military and then become a firefighter. And that's because that's what my dad did, and that's what his dad did before him, and his dad before him. And when God called me out of Arizona and brought me to Memphis, he brought me to a music school. And I did not consider myself to be no good musician, I'll tell you that, especially not a singer. I enjoyed singing, but I would not tell you I was good at it. And there were so many times where I'd be leading worship on a Sunday morning or I'd have some performance and I would just bomb. Like I would do terrible. I'd mess it up or just sound awful. And I remember so many times going to God being like, why, why have you called me to do this? Like I'm not good. I can't do it like she can do it or I can't lead like he can. Like I'm not good at this. Why are you calling me to this? It turns out he, he didn't want to use my hands on a gun. He wanted to use my voice on a mic. You know? And I couldn't have told you that a couple years ago. But he's been growing me. Oftentimes, God wants to use our weakness to show the world his strength. That it's not I, but Christ who lives in me that is doing the work. Guys, if we spend our whole lives relying on our own strength, never waiting on God's timing, never stepping out of our comfort zone, never allowing him to use even our weaknesses, not only are we going to miss out on amazing things he has for us, but we're going to suffer. And we're going to be worse off for it. As I close out, I want to leave you with this. Here's a good way to know, as I've been studying and reading and preparing. Here's a good way to know if you're truly relying on the Lord or not in all your efforts. Is this. Is when troubles come and when our own strength fails and everything is falling apart, are we able to have a Job-like reaction? I mean, if there was anybody who could rely on his own strength or at least thought he could, it probably would have been Job. I mean, he was a rich man. He had a big house all these servants, a big family, very successful. And when everything fell apart, his reaction was, naked I come from the womb. Naked I'll return to dust one day. You know, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's impossible to do if we're relying on our own strength. It just is. Hmm. As I was putting this together, this song, this one song just kept coming back to me. I couldn't shake. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. If you know it. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. 
All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Amen. 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 Amen.